hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard every Sunday on Chorus Radio. It's a travel show where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So this week saw a number of hotels and attractions in Banff and Jasper opening up such as the Banff Gondola, and we'll see more open up in the coming weeks. So in about 10 minutes, we're going to get a rundown on what, where, and when. From the folks at the Pursuit Collection, they operate attractions such as the Columbia Icefield Skywalk, Brewster Tours, and a number of hotels. And June 6th marked the 76th anniversary of the D-Day landings in Normandy during the Second World War. So we're going to replay a conversation we had with travel writer Catherine Van Brunshot a few months ago about her visit to the D-Day Memorials and the Battle of Normandy Museum. But we're going to start things out this week talking about travel insurance. There's been a lot of questions surrounding travel insurance in this COVID pandemic world. So to help us with some answers is Dan Keon. He's the Vice President of Market Management for Alliance Global Assistance. Their website is alliance-assistance.ca. Hi, Dan. Hi, Randy. Let's talk about the two kinds of travel insurance. There's the medical side of it, and then there's the uh, trip cancellation interruption. Let's start with the medical. I'm thinking if I'm going on a trip for, I don't know, seven days, I've been tested before I even leave, uh, will I even know that I have COVID until I come back and it doesn't really matter? Well, you know what, Randy, I'll take a step back and, and explain a few things with the, the way that the emergency medical coverage typically works, because there's a few factors right now that um, that are in play that will affect whether or not people may even have coverage. Um, so as we know, you know, COVID-19 has significantly impacted the lives of mm-hmm. recent months. Um, and shortly after the World Health Organization declared a pandemic, the Canadian government issued the Global Travel Advisory on March 13th and began to close its borders. So this this advisory or Global Travel Advisory is one of the key factors impacting how coverage will work going forward. Um, now, for all types of travel insurance, the intent is to provide coverage for unforeseen or unexpected events. Mm-hmm. And as a quick recap, emergency medical travel insurance provides coverage if you unexpectedly fall ill or injured while um, while traveling abroad. Um, now, most medical travel insurance policies will have an exclusion that limits coverage if the Canadian government has issued a travel advisory for your destination before you leave Canada. So as an example, when, when COVID-19 was first beginning to spread, uh, we saw advisors issued for places that were first impacted, such as China and South Korea and, and Italy. Um, this meant that if you had a trip booked to one of these destinations and the government issued that advisory related to COVID-19 before you left, you wouldn't be covered for medical treatment for, for COVID-19 during your trip. Now, of course, this all changed on March 13th when the uh, government issued an advisory for all countries, mm-hmm. um, which has meant that travel medical insurance policies really haven't provided coverage for COVID-19 since then um, for any trips abroad. Um now, these government advisories are still in place, but as we mentioned at the start of the call, it's not really a big issue at the moment because very few people are actually traveling. Yeah. Um, what we can expect to see, though, is that these restrictions should begin to eventually start to lift. Um, the, the government may not lift all of the advisories at once in the same way that they, they issued it internationally all at once. They may start to lift it for certain countries that have strong protocols in place and that have gotten COVID-19 under control. Um so it's really critical that travelers pay attention to whether or not there's a travel advisory still in place for their destination. Uh-huh. And this could impact whether or not they'll have coverage. 
Um, it's just one of these exclusions that's very common in the industry. I won't say that every single policy for all providers have it, but it is one yeah. of those more common aspects. Um, the other factor to consider is whether or not travel insurance providers or your travel insurance provider has declared COVID-19 a known event for medical uh, coverage. This is something that was was starting to pop up in March because COVID nineteen was so um, becoming so prevalent and mm-hmm. so so obvious. Everyone was aware of it. Again, the intent is to cover provide coverage for things that are unexpected. So you started to see some providers saying COVID nineteen is now a known event. So whether or not there's an advisory in place, we're not going to provide coverage for it. Mm-hmm. So the the key takeaways there are are, are two things. One. Um, making sure whether or not there's a travel advisory in place for your destination before you leave, once those advisories start to lift. Mm-hmm. And secondly, whether or not your provider has declared COVID-19 a known event. Those are the, probably the two biggest factors that will impact coverage. Uh, so uh, the answer to the, to the question, if someone just says, uh, am I covered? It depends on those two factors. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's talk about the trim interruption uh, cancellation. I guess uh, the cancellation part would go back to what you're talking about. If I get sick and can't go, um, those two factors, again, mitigate whether or not uh, your, your policy covers you, correct? That's correct. And again, it comes back to these travel advisories. So many trip cancellation policies um, include a covered reason to cancel. That allows you to cancel your trip if the Canadian government issues a travel advisory against non-essential travel to your destination. Um, now, w- the way that works usually is the advisory would need to be issued after you purchased your coverage, but before you left on your trip. Uh, this is the covered reason that actually allowed many Canadians to claim for cancelled trips when the government issued this advisory to whole countries on March 13th. I mean, that was really unprecedented. You know, uh-huh. Usually it's one country here, one country there, but to have it list for all countries... Everyone was put in this position where, well, now we have to cancel. Um, so what's unique about this situation, again, though, is that uh, many travel insurance providers declared COVID-19 a known event, specifically under trip cancellation benefits, um, around the time it was declared a global pandemic in, in early March. I think it was March 11th. So this meant that new policies purchased after this date that it was declared a known event would not provide coverage for claims related to COVID-19. Um, now, eventually, as travel advisors again begin to lift and travel begins to pick back up, this is one of the things that people should really be aware of so they know whether or not COVID-19 is, is eligible under their policy if a travel advisory is lifted and mm-hmm. they book their trip and then that advisory comes back in place. Um, I will say that with that said, it, it's important for listeners to keep in mind that despite COVID-19 being you know so top of mind right now for everyone, it feels like the only risk that's out there. It's just one of many reasons that may cause someone to have Very a true. trip. So even if COVID-19 is considered a known event, and even if that's something that is like ends up being consistent across all providers and it becomes difficult to get coverage for COVID-19, trip cancellation still provides a ton of protection against all of those other common risks that mm-hmm. people were always buying trip cancellation for in the first place, right? <laughs> exactly. So there's still, there's still value to that coverage. Um, not to ramble on here, but but I'll, I'll share one other point that's that's important maybe for listeners to think about. Um, one option is also to consider if your provider offers cancel for any reason coverage. So these types of policies will provide more flexible coverage. It won't necessarily be like specific covered reasons mm-hmm. and only those reasons. Um, but generally, that it does come at a higher premium. And in some cases, we'll only provide coverage for a percentage of the trip cost. So versus providing coverage for the entire cost of the insured trip, it may only be a percentage. So 
Long story short, main takeaway there again is to is to verify whether or not your travel insurance provider has declared COVID-19 a known event, as that could be the biggest factor affecting coverage. For sure. And now, going back to your point of there are other reasons to get trip interruption insurance, because you're seeing a lot of travel providers also offering some sort of, you know, um, a book with confidence type of thing that if something does happen, you can get a refund or you can get a a future travel credit. But there are other mitigating factors that may not uh, enter into those uh, types of policies when you're booking your trip, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, You know, there's there's always... um I mean, there's all of the things that can happen, right? Like I said, COVID-19 is is sort of, you know, one sickness, it's one illness, and it's it's on everyone's mind, obviously. But all of the other, th- other things that can happen from, a, from an illness perspective, or even your traveling companion becoming sick uh, unexpectedly, um, those are still valid reasons under the majority of policies. So the, the key there is when buying cancellation insurance is to is to review those covered reasons listed in the policy. Now, just really quickly, uh, trip uh, interruption uh, what, in the middle of my trip, is that uh, a factor as well? Well, you'll see oftentimes that um, trip cancellation and trip interruption often are, are bundled in a way. So mm. the same reasons that you can cancel your trip, you can interrupt your trip. Um, with that said, at the same time, you can see that in some cases um, where it's been declared a known event by a provider for trip cancellation, it'll also be declared a known event for trip interruption. So um, in, in that case, if it is a known event, then you wouldn't be covered to um, return home early if you had that benefit, if, it, if the reason was COVID-19. So again, this is where, you know, it's, it's sort of like the golden rule of travel insurance in general, and it's, it's sometimes... You know, people aren't too excited about this prospect because when you think about reading a travel insurance policy, it's not the most exciting uh, activity. Mm. Um, But it's really important for travelers to educate themselves. So review the policy, understand covered reasons, read through the exclusions, and most importantly, ask questions, especially now because things are shifting and, uh, you know, they're they're shifting quickly. So um, it's, it's important just not to assume you have coverage for certain things. Ask your provider, your travel agent, your broker, um, what types of things will be covered in these scenarios and what won't be covered, just so that you know fully going in um, and can be sort of empowered by that knowledge. And, you know, there will be no surprises then if, uh, if a claim does arise. Some great advice. Dan Keon is the Vice President of Marketing Management with Allianz Global Assistance. Their website, allianz-assistance.ca. Uh, great chatting with you, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Randy. Have a great day. So this week saw a number of hotels and attractions in Banff and Jasper opening up, such as the Banff Gondola, and we'll see more open up in the coming weeks. So to give us a rundown on what, where, and when is Tanya Otis. She is the Senior Manager, Communications and Media at Pursuit. They operate attractions such as the Columbia Icefield Skywalk, Brewster Tours, and a number of hotels, plus the Banff Gondola, as I mentioned. Their website is PursuitCollection.com. Hi, Tanya. Hello. Uh, so there's lots of different brands under the Pursuit Collection on your website, PursuitCollection.com. Many uh, people, I think, will be familiar with them, but uh, just give us a, a brief overview of what the Pursuit Collection includes. Sure. So Pursuit's Banff Jasper Collection. It includes world-class attractions, culinary experiences, in tours, and the stunning Canadian Rockies. 
I think visitors may recognize uh, some well-known experiences like the Banff Gondola or the Columbia Icefield Adventure and Skywalk along the Icefield Parkway between Banff and Jasper. Or perhaps people might recognize our boat tours on Lake Minnewanka and in Malang Lake in Jasper. Mm-hmm. And a lot of different hotel brands too, which we're going to talk about. Uh, before we get to that though, I mean, uh, this pandemic thing has is, is really hit the uh, travel industry hard. Tell us uh, maybe the uh, some of the effects it's had on your operations, just briefly. For sure. Well, obviously, the past few months have been challenging, not only for us at Pursuit, but the tourism industry in Banff and Jasper as a whole, and many other industries. Uh, with Pursuit, we temporarily suspended operations, and we delayed our season openings across Alberta in mid-March to support the public health response to the global health crisis. However... We have started to reopen our attractions just this past week and will continue throughout the month of June. So we're very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Some good news to talk about, which we are going to do. So let's just run down some of the places that have opened, some of the things that uh, are opening down the road. Sure. Well, we just opened this past week the iconic Banff Gondola and the award-winning Sky Bistro, if people have dined up at the top of the mountain on June 4th. We've also opened in Jasper our Moline Canyon Wilderness Kitchen, along with a few of our hotels. And uh, so name some of the hotels so people can uh, you know, get a, a better overview of, of which brands, again, uh, are under the Pursuit Collection. Certainly. So we have just reopened the Elkin Avenue Hotel in Banff. That's right on Banff Ave. We've also opened now the Marmot and Lobstick Lodges in Jasper. Uh, this upcoming week, we will reopen our Lake Minnewanka cruise that's in Banff on June 13th. And then next up is the Pyramid Lake Lodge in Jasper. I believe that's June 12th. And then throughout the month of June, I think every week we'll be opening new attractions, hotels and experiences. Mm-hmm. So I believe the Mount Royal Hotel opens uh, June 19th. Nice. Well, and again, getting back to the COVID pandemic thing, obviously things are going to be uh, looking a little bit different for your guests. Uh, Tell us about uh, the experience now uh, post-COVID versus pre-COVID. Well, we've always had strict cleaning measures in place, but as I'm sure everyone's heard and we are doing across the board in all industries of hospitality, uh, we wanted to ensure the safety and well-being of the community, our guests and staff. And to do that, we formed a very detailed safety promise protocol plan, which we announced, I think, May 4th, so earlier this month. So as we open every attraction, experience, hotel, culinary experience, we wanted to make sure that everyone who comes can feel safe and be safe when they're ready to visit each experience. So elements of our safety program include elevated cleaning standards, heightened physical distancing, and an increase in staff training. From a detailed perspective for folks who are wondering what that might mean, it includes reducing guest capacity across all of our experiences. So we're reducing that across the board. We'll be, as mentioned, adopting stringent cleaning protocols as approved by Health Canada and we'll be doing things like screening all staff for illness before each shift. And, and I think probably, too, you have to follow the guidelines as the stages as a province. So when it comes to opening hotels, it's one thing to open a hotel. It's another thing to have uh, uh, restaurants uh, and particularly uh, spas and swimming pools and outdoor pools, those types of things, right? For sure. Uh, well, with anything or dining and what that looks like in mm. the coming you know, weeks, months, uh, year. We, what we want to do at Pursuit is be as transparent to people as possible. So with our safety promise, if you go on our website, you can see clearly everything that we are doing um, as a company as a whole across Pursuit. 
down to each individual experience. So if you click on the Banff Gondola website, you're going to see a list of exactly the things we're going to do. So we want to make sure that we empower guests to feel safe to experience um, our attractions and hotels in the coming weeks and mm-hmm. months. How much do you rely on international visitors? It's going to be a different year this year for sure, right? Well, definitely. But you know what? Obviously, Banff is an international destination, but I think there's a very unique opportunity here for us to really explore our own backyard. So I think Albertans and Calgarians, you know, they're going to see a very different Banff and Jasper National Park this summer. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a good opportunity to get up to Jasper if you haven't been before and really experience it because, you know, really it is our time to experience, you know, experience our parks. So I'm excited about that aspect that I think that um, Albertans and Calgarians can really get to experience our parks very differently this summer. Well, it's been a while since I've been up to Jasper. uh, So tell me about some of the operations that you have uh, in particular, the, uh, the lake cruise you have up there and then the Columbia ice field, the skywalk, I haven't been to that yet. It's, it looks amazing, though. It's on your website. See, looking at some of the photos, <laughs> it looks uh, pretty amazing. If you haven't driven the Iceville Parkway at all or recently, you must. It is known as one of the most beautiful, picturesque drives in the world, and that's the road that's between Banff and Jasper. So between that road with the Athabasca Glacier, we do have the Glacier View Lodge, which is an upscale, gorgeous hotel that we just launched last year that faces onto the ice. We also have, for folks, the Columbia Icefield Adventure. So, you know, that's when you see folks go and experience the ice. And then we also have the Columbia Icefield Skywalk. So we do have these unique experiences that enable people to really get up close and personal with the ice. Mm-hmm. Well, and no matter uh, if you live in uh, northern Alberta or in the southern part, you can do that trip. You can start <laughs> either in Banff and make your way to Jasper or go to Jasper and make your way to Banff and, and take in some of these, right? Well, that's exactly it. So, you know what? I think, you know, this will be the summer of the road trip uh, more than before. So folks can start in Edmonton, go to Jasper, hit up a few things, perhaps stay at our gorgeous Pyramid Lake Lodge along the lake, go dine at our Moline Canyon Wilderness Kitchen and then take a hike on Moline Canyon or perhaps, you know, sit on our patio and take in Moline Lake, which is one of those iconic locations that is very Instagrammable moment that you see everywhere mm-hmm. from the tourism perspective. Make your way down the ice, you know, stop and take pictures. There's a lot of animals. Stop at the ice, experience that, um, and then come down to Banff or vice versa up, right? So there's so many opportunities this summer to experience, uh, well, as I said, our own backyard. Uh, and Brewster is part of uh, the Pursuit Collection. When are you looking at operations to do uh, tours so maybe people don't have to you know, worry about driving or anything like that? Well, that's so our, our sightseeing tours are more near the end of the month. So I believe, you know, in heading into July 1st is the very last um, tour that will be opening, mm-hmm. reopening rather. So yes, so people can expect this summer if they want to just take tours and see what's going on. We definitely have a robust tour selection through the entire park. So. Well, like you say, it's a, it's a great opportunity to explore your own backyard. You can find more information on the Pursuit website, the pursuitcollection.com. And Tanya Otis is the Senior Manager of Communications and Media for Pursuit. Uh, always a pleasure to chat. Tanya, we'll have to get an update in the middle of summer, see how things are going. Great. Thank you so much. So June 6th, 
marked the 76th anniversary of the D-Day landings in Normandy, France during the Second World War. And to honour that historic event, we're going to replay a conversation we had a few months ago with travel writer Catherine Van Brunschot about her visit to the D-Day memorials and the Battle of Normandy Museum. And here's that conversation for you now. I'm very excited to hear about your trip to uh, Europe and more specifically Normandy and the uh, historic sites that you got to see. This is really high in my bucket list, so my jealousy meter is really, <laughs> really moving on this one, Catherine. <laughs> okay, well, I please so. You should be jealous because this is a really interesting area to visit. Well, tell me, uh, well, this is the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings. Is that uh, the reason, one of the reasons why you wanted to go? It was one of the reasons. I mean, I had, I had planned a trip to the north of France, um... Um, to do some other traveling around, but with the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings. And then also, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading um, over the last two years. There's been a lot of new books that have been come, that have come out um, talking about, you know, what it was like in France uh, during the war. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of your listeners might have read some of those as well. Uh, really popular books like All the Light We Cannot See, um, you know, by Anthony Doerr. I don't know if you've read that one. Or uh, The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. Um, and so, you know, I had a lot of interest about uh, what went on during the war in this area. So I thought um, that I really needed to add a few extra days to my trip to check out the, the Normandy landing beaches and the D-Day sites for myself. Mm-hmm. So d- was this a self-guided tour or did you have uh, kind of half and half where you were guided through uh, parts of it? Um, yeah, it was sort of half and half. So I was, um, my husband and I took a train out to the little town of Bayou, which is only about 10 kilometers from the from the beaches there. Um, it's, it's just an easy two-hour train ride from Paris. And um, we first, I realized that I really didn't know a lot about the invasion of uh, Normandy beyond what I'd seen in the movie of you know, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I headed first, both of us headed first to the Battle of Normandy Museum that's in Bayou in order to get some context for what we were going to go see once we got out into the into the countryside, and that is a really great museum. It's uh, full of artifacts, uh, things like you know vehicles and tanks and weapons, and, but personal things too, like um, the uniforms and the personal kit of the troops from the various Allied nations. Um, there's dioramas there, and there's photos, and it's presented in a really interesting way, showing people and places the way they were in in the summer of 1944, and the information itself is really easy to dip into. It's got a lot of quotes from books written about the war, personal stories about the men and women involved. And so after we spent oh, an hour or two there, we felt like we had a pretty solid understanding, you know, of why Normandy, why that time, uh, what things went well, what things didn't, and, and really how the D-Day invasions were a turning point in the war against the Nazis. Mm-hmm. So now, you is that where you kind of based your tours around? Was the town of of Bayeux? Yeah. So we we chose Bayeux because it's it's close to the landing beaches, um, and there are several tour companies there that will take you out to the beaches and other important D Day sites. And it's just a really lovely little medieval town uh, with lots of lots of cafes and shops and other things of its own to explore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had booked ahead uh, online with Normandy sightseeing tours to, to get it out of Bayou and out into the countryside and really see, um, to see the, the D-Day sites. 
So what were some of the other sites then once you uh, branched out? Um, well, the, this particular tour company uh, has quite a variety of options, but we took the tour that focused on the Canadian war effort. Uh, being Canadians, and it basically um, traced the steps of the troops from where they landed on Juneau Beach and then through the villages that they liberated one by one um, while they worked to drive the Nazis out of Cannes, which we learned took more than a month of battle, and we lost a lot of a lot of uh, Canadian troops during that time. Um, so there were several sites as we went through the countryside. We got a real sense of how many losses um that we had of uh, soldiers during the war uh, during those uh, during that particular battle when we stopped at the Canadian War Cemetery near Benny sur mer and there are 2044 Canadian soldiers buried there wow who all died in the area uh, it's a really peaceful place um planted with maple trees of course and it it really is quite a stark contrast to to the conditions under which these men uh, probably died there. That was one of the places we stopped. But in addition to the, um, to the Canadian-specific sites that we visited, we also got to um, get up close and personal with um, several German bunkers, uh, some of whose guns were, were still intact. Not, not operable, but um, still fairly intact. And we also got to see a pretty interesting site. Um, it was the remains of an artificial harbour, that was built by the British um, to bring in troops and equipment after the D-Day landings. Uh, this, was, this was really interesting because the Allies knew that it might be months before they could wrestle an actual deep water port from the mm-hmm. Nazis. So in the meantime, they had what seemed on the surface to be a pretty crazy plan um, to tow um, hollow cement blocks and various things to build floating roadways and everything else required to create a port. And uh, they towed this across the English Channel, and, uh, despite a, a huge storm that started to tear it apart while they were constructing it, they actually managed to get it built. And they operated that port for 10 months, and during that time, they brought over, it's pretty phenomenal, two and a half million men, uh, half a million vehicles, and four million tons of supplies to, uh, to support the war effort. Wow. Uh, so it must be quite a moving experience. It really is. Um, um, it's, the beaches themselves are long and beautiful, um, and so it's really quite, uh, quite remarkable to stand there and imagine what it was like for the troops as they came ashore um, with the mines and the barricades and the artillery fire. None of that's there anymore. Um, but it's very peaceful there now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is moving to stand there or to look across the cemetery at all the different um, gravestones. Mm-hmm. So now when I'm planning my trip to go there, what kind of advice can you give me? <laughs> um, okay, well, um, the best time of year is probably to go in the shoulder season because it gets very busy there in the summer months. Mm-hmm. Um, so April, September, October are good months to go. Um, the weather is fairly mild um, year-round there. Um, because it's on the English Channel, maritime climate, so it never gets really hot, never gets really cold. Um, there's always showers and rain in the forecast, so, um, so really, you know, weather is not going to stop you. I mean, obviously, if you, 
if you're interested in attending the D-Day ceremonies that are held every year, well, then your best bet is mm-hmm. early June. But you can expect that it will be quite busy then as well. Well, it sounds like it's quite easy to get around to all these spots. Um, yeah, it is. Um, I Like I said, we, tra- uh, we travel to Bayou by train, but it's also really easy to drive in the area. Um, all the sites are well-signed in English and French. And uh, so anybody who wants to be independent and rent a car uh, could easily do that and visit the sites on their own. Um, it, the other thing that's very popular there is traveling by camper van. Mm. Um, and Normandy is well set up for that. There's a lot of campgrounds in the area. And a lot of British tourists come over and do that. And if, if you're wanting to do that, there are a lot of uh, resources online um, that will help you sort of plot your route and learn about the different areas. Mm-hmm. But if you're one of those folks who really uh, likes door-to-door service with every detail looked after, there's also a fully escorted trip all from Paris as well. Uh, now, what was your favorite highlight? You mentioned uh, some of the spots you visited, but did, did one stand out for you? Um, as I said, you know, I found it it quite quite stunning um, to stand on the beaches. But but probably the biggest highlight of the visit there at the museum and of the tour were the stories that we got to hear about the individual um, troops that were there. There were stories of heroism. Um, one particular soldier named Charlie Martin who survived stepping on a landmine and having a bullet knock off his helmet um, to lead his troops through the barriers. You know, sad stories, too, about, um, for instance, uh, three brothers from Toronto, um, from the Westlake family, who lost their lives within days of one another during the battle. Just the, the stories that we could hear that really put... Um, a human face on the war, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like a fabulous trip, like I said. Uh, it's one that's high in my bucket list. So uh, it's a trip to Normandy and all the battle sites. And uh, Catherine Van Brunshot is a freelance uh, food and travel writer. Uh, you can find her website, CatherineVanBrunshot.com. Always a pleasure to chat, Catherine. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveler.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.